0: Appreciate the opportunity this morning to be able to speak from Philippians chapter 1 verses 12 through 26 which we heard earlier as many of us know life isn't always what we had anticipated it isn't always what we want there's probably no one who knows this better than the Apostle Paul one of the things that I'm especially appreciative of this morning is um, going through, when we go through times of difficulty and challenge, we have really two sources, well probably more, there's more, but I think for a good outcome, first source would be that of us going to God, the other, that would be the main one, but then we have family and Over the course of this weekend, through men's ministry and others, we're seeing God at work through his church, through his family, and I am abundantly thankful for both of those sources of strength um, for me and for our family and for you and for your families. I know it's late, but sometimes late is okay. We're going to be just on time, according to God's plan. I believe that at the close of the service this morning, we're going to give you opportunity. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I'm going to invite you to come. There are some here this morning that through the course of life, you think that if I can just change some small portion of my life, that that will make me happy. I can just change my circumstance a little bit then that's going to bring me joy but as we'll discover as we talk this morning that you have tried that and you have found yourself to be wanting and so at the close of the service this morning I'm going to give you opportunity to come and top up the cup top up the cup that's only partially full And for you to experience afresh and anew what God wants to do in your own life. Because some of us have just been sleepwalking through life. And if anything, Apostle Paul wants to say to us this morning is, is to wake up. And to receive what I have for you. You look around us. There are many people in the world today who are not really enjoying life, they're just enduring it. Our society perpetuates this lie that life must be perfect for us to be happy. If I could just change the situation, life would be great. I'd finally be happy. We battle with this. Apostle Paul wants us to move beyond the feeling of being happy to that of experiencing true joy in us. You do know that happiness often depends on happenings or happen chance. Happiness often depends on happiness. Happiness is external, joy is in is internal. You have a happy time when you go to a concert, but then Monday morning comes and your happiness is gone. You leave there and you lose your happiness, but joy it's constant, even in the midst of the things that we face on a regular basis. If we think about it. Paul was able to stay positive in prison. I'm sure, he, I'm sure there were lots of days that sucked, that were terrible. But for him, life was still positive when he was in prison, triumphant over troubles, to stay happy, positive, and joyful in spite of the fact that everything. That he had wanted and desired had turned out another way, had not turned out the way that he had planned. Paul gives us at least four clues as to why. Hopefully you have U version, that's where we place the notes on your device. If you're able to go to U version, if you use that for your Bible study, you can go to our particular space and you can you can follow the notes there. But there are four things that we're going to talk about this morning. Four essentials for joyful living. The first one is, is I need a perspective to live from. I need a perspective to live from. We have problems. You brought them here today. Now don't look to your left and don't look to your right. You brought them here with you today. Your problems are not so important, but it is how you respond to them. Your perspective... And where you have your hope makes all the difference in the world. Would you not agree? Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 says Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Even in my sucking, this suckiness of being in this prison, it has turned out to be positive. I have no idea what I said. I'll have to look at the clip. Paul says that even in the worst, he could see God at work. Even everything that had been thrown at him, he still could see the good. Non-believers are being witnessed to in my attitudes towards them. Believers are being encouraged. Verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Heard a little bit about that before. Paul was not ashamed to stand for Jesus. Heard a little glimpses of that yesterday as, as Colin was sharing with us. You see, Paul had desired to go to Rome to minister to the believers. He wanted to encourage them. But also, he wanted to go on crusade for Jesus. He wanted people to know who Jesus was. But it didn't work out that way, and he ended up in prison. And it was there that he wrote much of the New Testament. He's chained to the palace guard. These were the elite, as we heard. The elite troops of the Roman Empire, they were personally chosen by Caesar as his bodyguards. And when they retired, after being in service for 12 years, they were made leaders of Rome. Were these important people? To that I say, yes, they were. Influential. God says that you want a crusade, I'll put you in prison chains to the most influential leaders who are the insiders of the empire. God puts Paul in Rome. Nero pays the bill and chains the future leaders of Rome to be with him every four hours. In two years, Paul would have had the opportunity to witness to over four thousand guards, and these guards had the inside route to emperor. And as a result, even some of Nero's family become believers. How do we know that? Because history tells us that Nero had his wife, mother, and children killed because they become believers. Was it costly for them? Yes, it was. It was a chain reaction from the time that Paul had opportunity to share with those guards to make the difference in Nero's home. Paul had a captive audience, you would say. Verse 14. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Oh, that that would be something that would spread throughout the church today courageously and fearlessly my attitudes towards problems has encouraged other people he says courage is contagious other believers become bold because of paul being bold ask god to give you holy spirit boldness that's what we need today in our own lives as we face all of the challenges that are happening in our country and around the world The perspective that you need to live from if you're going to have joy in your life is and we know that all things work out for good to those who love him romans 8 28. you know how the story ends live like it live towards it experience it afresh and anew the lesson is god has a purpose behind every one of my problems every one and when you get this perspective you were on your way to joyful living. Second thing, if you're taking notes, I need a priority to live by. When things get tough, I need to know what's really important in order to distinguish the trivial from the significant. To distinguish the trivial from the significant. I I can live my life either based on problems or priorities, which is it for you? Either you'll decide what's important in your life or you're going to let other people decide what's important for your life. Because you live what your priority is. I can tell what your priorities are pretty quick. It used to be that I could take a look at your checkbook. Not many of you showed me that. But if you were to show me your checkbook, I could tell pretty quickly what your priorities were in life. Or, if I could take a look at your daytime, timer, nobody has those anymore, but I did when I first started ministry. If I could take a look at your calendar and see what you do daily, and you actually wrote in there what you did daily, the amount of time that you spent on Facebook, the amount of time that you... You, you, you do the things that you do, I could tell what's a priority. If you don't choose your priorities, you're, you're going to be um, pulled out of a f- one fire after another. Living your life simply from problem to problem, and not choosing what's important. I need a priority to live by, and so do you. Why do we say that? Well, Paul says it in verse 15 and 16. He says this about some of the people that are preaching, some of the other pastors that are in the area, some of the other ministry leaders. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of good will. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Paul was saying, not only am I in prison, but there's guys out there that are attacking my ministry. They're tearing it down one at a time because they're jealous and they want there's this sense of rivals rivalries, rivalry. Other ministries are criticizing me while I'm in prison. Verse 18 But what does it matter? The important thing is, is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Let the racket continue. It doesn't really matter in the big scheme of things because I have said this is the direction that I'm going. And I will not be deterred. The cross before me, the world behind me. I've made a decision. I have surrendered my life to Christ and nothing else will get in the road. You can chain me. You can make fun of me. But in the end of it all, I have said yes to Jesus. No matter where else life would want to take me. You've made a decision. You've made a priority. And you're going after it. Paul said he wasn't going to let anybody steal this joy. Not circumstances or critics. Paul would say, you stamped out my crusade. You can stamp out my vision. You can choose not to support me. But you cannot take away the joy that's in my heart as we started this morning. The joy of the Lord is my strength. He said this about other preachers. Their motives may be wrong, their style may be wrong, but if the message is going out, so what? Paul says, what does it matter? Paul was determined not to let the small things of life steal his joy. Think about your week. Think about what's happened to you even this day. What is it that just sort of eats away and steals a little bit of this and steals a little bit of that? Time to recalibrate. Time to say yes to Jesus. Time to say yes to his priority. To focus on Jesus. How many arguments in your marriage are over little things that really don't matter? And if after your 15 minutes of your challenging times of talking, you can't even remember what the original complaint was. Is it worth losing your joy over? No, it's not. Have a perspective to live from to live from, and a priority to live by. Know what is important. What should I live by? Proverbs 3 verse 6. In everything you do, put God first and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. This is what counts, putting God first. The lesson is focus on what really counts. What really counts for me? Other believers and those who are lost, those who don't know Jesus. I don't know whether it affected you the same way that it affected me, but as I... Looked at that video this morning of a capital city mission. They are doing things that I'll never have the opportunity to do. One cup of coffee at a time, one conversation at a time, lives are being changed through that mission. I hope over the course of the next four months, we can raise 35,000 dollars. So that we can reach that goal and have those folks come in and we can hand them the check for $10,000 and say, go build your kitchen because you are making a difference for Jesus Christ. I'm excited about that possibility. We can make a difference one person at a time. Paul would say, you put me in prison, but my focus is still on what Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel even though all of, me, all of the mess comes. As you could see, Julie and I were to the front this morning just praying for a mess that's in our family. We are praying that God would break the chains in someone in particular. Life isn't always what we thought it would be but we still come to him. He is still our priority. And in the midst of this, I just have to believe that God's gonna do something miraculous and God is gonna do something far beyond what we could ever believe or imagine. Third thing, I hope you're able to control your oven to be able to turn it down, maybe on your iPhone. I need need a power to live on. I need strength to make it, to keep on going. Life can wear you out. It can drain you completely. You lose your energy and your power. You need a fresh energy supply. Listen to what it says in verse 19. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out to my deliverance I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. Here's a man who's not afraid to say, you know what, in the midst of all this, I don't have it all figured out, but I know where the end, I know where it's going. And I can trust that God is going to lead me in the right direction. I believe that he's going to perform the deliverance. Paul says, I have two things that give me strength and help me in spite of four years of imprisonment. The first is the prayers of other people, and the second is the help of the Holy Spirit. People need hope you can't live without hope where do you get your hope Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 and eventually we'll preach about this as we move through the uh, through uh, this letter I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ strengthened I can do all things through him who gives me strength is the NIV what's the lesson with God's power nothing can devastate me have you found that to be true even in the midst of what we're facing, I believe that to be true. If I'm going to make it in life, I need a perspective to live from. Something so that I can see the way things really are, not the way that I feel about that. Because feelings are deceptive. Today I feel good about it, and tomorrow I don't feel so good about it. I need a priority to live by so that the first things are first. And I, I am focusing on the essentials, not the non-essentials. And the third thing, which we just talked about, and I need... A power to live on that gives me the strength to keep going, to keep on keeping on. The fourth thing, I need a purpose to live for. Paul's old, older. He's tired. He's been in prison for four years. He's ready to go on to heaven. They've taken away every single thing from him. They've removed his friends. I don't know, they probably come to visit him now and again his ministry, where he thought he was going, some of his freedoms, much of his freedom, and his privacy. Verse twenty-one. They've taken away everything. The one thing that cannot be taken from you, and that is a purpose to live for. For me to live as Christ, and to die is gain. It's not suicidal. But he's, he's anticipating death. He's not afraid of dying. Death is just on to better things. Out of the prison. But while I'm here, he says, I have a purpose for living. Now as the plane starts to come in, how would you fill in the blank? For me to live is... You don't have to say it out loud, just in your heart. For me to live is. I think a lot of Canadians would fill in the blank in one of three ways. First one would be, for me to live is possessions. It's to get. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people that we don't like. Just, just test that one at some point just test that. Look around you sometimes, you sit in your living room, or you look out the car in your driveway, and just think about that for a second. That's crazy. For me to live as possessions, I think is one way Canadians do it. Second is for me to live as pleasure. If it feels good, do it. Anything to relieve my boredom, for, even just for a little bit, for, even for just a moment. But Monday mornings comes, and the pleasure doesn't last. It's either possessions or it's pleasure. The, the third one is a, is a number of things, but it is for me to live as power, possession, prestige, or pop- popularity. We dress for success and we drive to impress. Image is king. For many teenagers, and we, some of us t- bring this into adulthood, it's popularity. They'll do anything they can to fit into the peer group, even if it means to lose or to lower their standards. You may know some people, but if you're brutally honest, you would say, you know what, I fit into that category. I do this so that it raises who I am. I dress like that so that it raises who I am. You can be the most pers- most. Imp- Popular person on your campus, and you can come back two years later and no one remembers you. The problem with possessions, pleasure, and power is that they don't last, not a lifetime, much less eternity. There isn't ultimate fulfillment. If it were true, then the people who had the most pleasure would be the happiest. And we know that's not true. The people who could afford to have the most experiences would be the most joyful. And that isn't true. Paul looked at things in the light of eternity. He said in Philippians chapter 3 verses 13 and 14, chapter 3 verses 13 and 14, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus can I suggest to you that the best use of your life is to invest it in something that's going to outlast you. It's great to be a Christian, but I'm not a Christian because I'm afraid I'm going to die tonight, tonight, but because I live tomorrow. And I want God to work through me, and I need Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to live in me so that I can be an influence in the world today. Why is it that God leaves you on earth after you become a Christian? Why doesn't he just beam me up, Scotty? Get me out of this mess. Why didn't he just allow you to leave us here? Why does he leave us here? It's for the benefit of other people. To tell those who don't know the Lord the good news and to encourage one another. The secret of all this is the secret of joy is Jesus first, others second, and yourself third. I'm convinced that there's so much unhappiness in our culture because we have this total preoccupation with ourself. What's best for me? What will make me happy? When you learn to have a greater purpose in your life than, than just yourself, you'll begin to have the joy of the Lord in your heart in order to be able to hand it, handle it. When you base your life on the kinds of values that are going to last, then problems just aren't as significant. God has a purpose that is bigger than my problems. So let's review. Do you have God's perspective on your problem? Are you looking at the problem from God's viewpoint or just your viewpoint? God has a purpose behind every problem. Second thing, you need a priority to live by. Have you settled the issue of what is really important in your life? and what should be first. Have you settled that? Are you, are you still walking blindly ahead? There are many people that are mixed up with their priorities. Don't, they don't know whether they're coming or going. They go from one problem to the next. They go from one mess into the next mess because they've never settled that. Third thing is you need, a, you need power to live on. Or have you been trying to live life in your own power and your own strength? God says that you're carrying a burden that was never intended for you to carry. Some people, it looks like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders. It's because they do. They haven't, they haven't, said, they haven't begun to give this over to God, to help, ask him to help. Give it to him. And then you'd be able to say, like Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Fourth thing is, you, you need a purpose to live for. Can you sum up the purpose of your life in a single sentence? So tell me if this is true. I think that many people want to live a long time. But you do know that life is not judged by its duration. It is judged by its donation. What you put into it and into the lives of other people, that's what's going to matter. What is it that when they give your eulogy, what is it that you, that you want other people to say about you? Then between now and that eulogy, live like you meant it, towards that. What is your priority? What is it that you want to be? What is it that you want other people to say about you? I think you would agree with this, that many people are giving first-class allegiance to second-class causes, because you've never really settled it in your mind what's important, and you haven't prioritized your life in that direction. And you wonder why the happy quotient or the joy quotient is not very high because you've been relying on one circumstance, external, to bring you joy. So how would you complete the sentence? For me to live is, for me to live is my career. You're going to give your blood, your sweat, your tears for your career, and then it's going to be over. For me to live as popularity for me to live as to have a nice home for for me to live as sex for me to live as food i'm going to suggest to you that those suggestions aren't going to last if they last a hundred years but they're not going to last into eternity you're going to spend more time on the other side of this life than you are here the apostle paul Is saying, for me to live is Christ. And he's talking about having a relationship with him. Can I just suggest to you that you're not here by accident? When you discover that purpose and get right in the center of it, it fits. Paul did not say, for me to live is religion. Or for me to live is to show up on Sunday morning and put my offering in the offering plate. Or to hit the donate button. For me, it isn't just about ministry. For me to live is ministry. No, he said, the only thing worth living for is a relationship with the one who made me. So as we close this part, do you understand your need for God in your life? And do you realize that without Jesus you don't have a hope for a future outside of this world you, you don't have the hope for joy in your heart in this life to live tomorrow Going to ask us to bow our heads when we do that the team's gonna come and they're gonna lead us in this song no longer a slave and we are going to invite those of you who've never said yes to Jesus, and I want to pray a prayer for you this morning, that you'll sense your need, that you'll know that God created you, and that sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, and as sin has come in, it it has created this fallen state for creation, and that's why Jesus came, and that's why God's Son Jesus came and died on the cross, so that He could pay the price for your sin and my sin, so that he could set us free, so that our chains could be cut. And that we need to surrender in order for us to have salvation. We must believe in Jesus and surrender our entire life to him. And some of us this morning have never done that, and today's the day. Some of you uh, have been living a life that has not had purpose, And it's just been one thing into another. And as I said earlier, you've been sleepwalking. And God wants you to be awake and alert to what it is that he wants to do in your life. And as we close, as we sing this song, a few minutes long, I just invite you to come and just just to stand up here. And I'll have a closing prayer for you. Because God wants to do amazing things in your life. But you have to be willing to allow it to happen. Let's stand together. And if God is calling, don't wait another moment. But you come and I'll pray for you.